Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Uh, well, it's official. Jim Delvin Cook released by the Vikings. Hearing rumors about Daniil Hunter perhaps being on the way out of town as well. Have you heard anything about that? Her rumors and most of the reporting on that is that teams are calling the Vikings about Daniil Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if Hunter is being completely unreasonable about you know, a new contract, that's something that could force a trade. In terms of football, there's absolutely no way they should trade Daniil Hunter. Yeah. It's a bad defense. He had a good year last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and without him, that 31st-ranked defense probably would have been so bad they would have won eight games instead of 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a really good player. He's still young. Uh, he has been dynamic. He is over the injury. He played well last year. He was productive. I could see him being even more productive with a, a coordinator like Brian Flores. Unless he is forcing his way out of Minnesota, there's absolutely no reason to trade him. Yeah, no doubt. And and uh, your guy Lavelle Neal in his column today, uh, uh, he's talking about that. If Hunter goes too, what does it mean? Does it mean it's a it's a rebuild, a teardown for the Vikings? Well, it's not. I mean, you know, they, they won 13 games last year. Uh, and, and, you know, what they have been talking about is a competitive rebuild, and then they won for 13 games in their first season. So, obviously, they're not, re- they're not rebuilding. Uh, they want to win a championship. The question is whether, you know, there's a short-term plan that could pull that off or whether it's going to be more of a long-term plan that pulls that off. Uh, they, don't, they don't – they need Daniel Hunter. Uh, he's a – you know, again, unless the negotiations between his agent and the Vikings have gotten – just contentious past the point of being able to get any business done, uh, which shouldn't happen in this day and age. Yeah. Uh, both sides tend to be much smarter than that. This doesn't tend to be as personal things it used to be. I, I, I just cannot fathom them trading Daniel Hunter. Yeah, so uh, we'll see. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen and the Vikings make another run uh, at it uh, this year. Uh, let's talk Twins a little bit. More injury news. Looks like Polanco's a little banged up too now. Just did a podcast with Roy Smalley that'll be out in the next 24 hours or so, and we were talking about the fact that, you know, he, Gene Mock was his, his uncle, mm-hmm. and Gene Mock played back in the day of Babe and Lou Gay. He said, he said he'd never heard of a hamstring injury before, like, the 70s. Right. And, and nobody had ever heard of an oblique injury until the 90s, and nobody had heard of a groin injury until the 80s. And it, it you know, the, the, like, Buxton's knee is just, he has a bad knee. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Uh, Polanco and Joey Gallo running to first base and grabbing their hamstrings, that should be preventable. Whether it's hydration, the right kind of hydration, the right kind of training, the right kind of stretching, those injuries just can't happen. And it's a major problem that they changed entire training staffs and brought in a really acclaimed guy, and they're still getting these soft tissue injuries. So these can't happen. This team isn't deep enough. No team's deep enough to deal with all this. Uh, so it's a really bad sign that Polanco runs to first base and can't play. I don't. Uh, I have not seen as of today whether they put him on the injured list or not, whether they're just going to try to get him to play through it, whatever. But it's a horrible thing for a team that is struggling. Boy, that's for sure, especially as struggling with the bats. I think they've slid to like 22nd or something in the league and runs scored. At least they were scoring runs at the beginning of the year, but they're in a – they're in a real funk uh, right now at the plate, and it's not going to. It's hard to get better up in Toronto. Yes, and one thing Roy points out is that uh, 
you know, this has been a, generally a pretty good offensive team when they've been healthy since the new front office came in and under Rocco Baldelli. This is a departure, and it's, it is happening with a new hitting coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it, I always think it's absolutely wrong to blame everything on a coach. Yeah. Uh, these guys have their own advisors, their own routines. They do their own work in the offseason. But the hitting coach has to at least be a positive in some way. And I'm not, I, you know, and I, I don't want to doubt this guy's expertise or knowledge. But coaching is not about your knowledge. Coaching is about what you can impart. What mm-hmm. can you get people to think? How can you get them to feel? And something's not working here. Uh, they are taking a terrible approach. They are swinging at pitches outside the strike zone. They're swinging at pitchers' pitches early in the count. They are taking call third strikes on pitches that should be hittable. Their heads are not in the right place, and that does go to coaching. Yeah, yeah. And how do you get out of it? How do you recognize that there needs to be some some self scouting and figure it out? Like you said, you're not asking for the coach's head, but maybe a change of philosophy a little bit. Yeah, something's got to change, yeah. uh, I, and I would love to see James Rousey come back and get the whole, his whole job back. Right. We know we know he's really good at this, both as a motivator and communicator and a coach. Um, right now, I do. I'm, I'm going to put it on Correa. He's the highest paid player. He's the leader. He's the most veteran hitter, uh, most veteran accomplished hitter in the lineup, and he's having to deal with his own issues. It's hard to lead when you're not doing. He needs to break out of his slump. And he needs to do so in a way that is an example to his teammates. He needs to take charge here. And he showed some signs of life on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, maybe that'll get him going. It, it's hard to be a leader if you're not performing on the field, isn't it? Yes, it yeah. is. And I'm saying you've got to fix yourself first. Yep. But I think he needs – need, A, he needs to fix himself. B, he needs to fix himself in a way that his, his teammates will look at and say, oh, okay, yeah, if you take that approach, you, that's going to break you out of this. Because right now – their best hitter in terms of approach is Alex Kirilov. Their second best hitter in terms of approach is Royce Lewis. Those are kids. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so how long is the rope for Max Kepler? Now he makes a, kind of a base-running blunder here the other night by not watching Michael Taylor in front of him when he was stealing 30, should have been at second, cost the Twins a run in a game they lost by a run. Uh, is You know, he can't make mental mistakes if he's not going to hit. No, and, and I listen, I lost patience with him probably two years ago, yeah. so... I've been ready for them to move on from him for a long time. I, yeah. I hope they had done it this winter. Now he's – when you add mental mistakes to physical unproductiveness, I, I think he's got to go. Uh, my guess, my hope, is that they just don't want to cut a healthy player while, while other people are injured. And I would hope that when Gallo comes off the injured list, that that's it for Kepler. Hmm. And that your outfield is Walner – Eventually, uh, you know, I know they're giving Larnick another look here, but I, I think the best team they have is Gallo in left, Walner in right, Taylor in center, Kirilov at first, Larnick is depth. Hmm. Um, that is their best team, and I hope they get there soon. Yeah, maybe you would in, have Buxton in center field instead of Taylor, but it doesn't seem as though they're inclined to put him in the outfield again, especially now that he's, uh, you know, on the injured list, obviously. I think that their original plan going into the season, this is not fact, this is my speculation based on what I've heard, is that they were going to try to get him into center field by midsummer, whether it was June or July, Mm -hmm. and play him enough that he would be ready to play center field should they make the playoffs. And then I think every time they've started edging toward having that conversation with him, he's gotten hurt. And now he gets And listen, I think most of the... Uh, criticism of Buxton and his injuries has been off base. Uh, he doesn't want to be injured. He just has been injured. 
uh, it does worry me a little bit that a pitch to the ribs can knock him out for 10 days. I know it hurts, I, but I, I, to me, that's a, that's a pain tolerance deal, not a true injury injury deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, game four, NBA Finals tonight. The uh, Nuggets looked like uh, the much the better team again in game three, but I said that after game one, and then the Heat came back and won game two. If the Heat don't win tonight, I mean, they're in dire straits, so we'll see them desperate. What do you think in tonight's game? Uh, I like the Nuggets. I just think they're the better team. You know, yep. the Nuggets have to be off their game, and the Heat have to play incredibly well for the Heat to win. That can happen. It already has happened, but it's not likely to happen often. Uh, this is this is a chance for the Heat to make sure this is going to be a long, difficult series for the Nuggets. I would send one thing you've seen about the Nuggets this this postseason is. Everybody seems to have a good game against them, hmm. and then the Nuggets figure it out and go on and, and win the series. The, I still say the Wolves played them tougher than anybody else. Yeah. Um, and I just think once the Nuggets kind of figure out what you're doing to them, uh, their very good coaching staff and Jokic's brilliance just ends up taking your part. Yeah, they talked about they moved him. The big adjustment was from handling the ball kind of at the top to down on the block on one side or the other and having him pass it out of the low post. It's nice when you have a seven-footer who can pass low post, high post, top of the circle, shoot threes, wherever you put Jokic, he's he's able to you know make things happen from there. He is one of the smartest players we've ever seen, um, and he's one of the best players we've ever seen. And we might be you know he might be at the front end of a career where he's going to be one of the considered one of the greatest players of all time. And then with Jamal Murray uh, right next to him, you know, I mean, they could win multiple championships. They could. Yeah. Uh, they have, the, you know, and, and let's give credit to Tim Connolly. Uh, Tim Connolly put all that together. Yeah. And they also stuck with Mike Malone for a long time. This is his eighth year there. Uh, they developed Jokic slowly. Remember, there's a time yep. when it looked like Carl Anthony Towns was a much better player than Nikola Jokic. Uh, they stuck with Murray through his injuries. You know, I know Twins, Timberwolves fans and Minnesota fans in general are very reactive, in mm. part because they feel so burned by the local teams. Right. You've got to have a, you got to have a plan, and you got to stick with it, and you got to make sure that you know before you disband uh, the the Gobert, uh, you know, structure here that's yep. built for big round. You got to see if it actually works. Yeah. Give it a couple years. Yeah. Jim, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Yeah. Great, thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.